And welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom, and coming up on the show, we're going to talk about something that has a deep political divide, something that is very personal, and something that seems to be capturing the headlines more recently, and that is, should Roe v. Wade be overturned? Now, before you start to get steamed under the collar, depending on what side of the issue you're on, we're going to try to take a look at this from a perspective that I always try to take when it comes to these different topics. Society likes to think that there is a one-size-fits-all solution to a problem. Take any problem, one-size-fits-all solution, and off we go. But that's not the case. And so we're going to talk about Roe v. Wade. We're going to talk about the issue of abortion. We're going to talk about whether or not it's time to overturn it, or are there other alternatives, and what might the outcome be with those alternatives. So again, come to the table with an open ear, an open heart, maybe a little bit of an open mind. But most importantly, as we go through the conversation, if there's things that you hear, do your own research. Look it up for yourself. Find the information, and then you can form your own opinion. So first and foremost, as we get started, the question is, and you have asked some people about this, and believe it or not, there's a lot of people that really don't know the history of Roe v. Wade. They think it's just uh, a case that made abortion legal. But did it really? What is Roe v. Wade? Most Supreme Court decisions are granular, little-noticed interpretations of the law and Constitution, but a few are landmarks. Roe v. Wade was a landmark. It effectively legalized abortion across the United States. Here are the facts and players in the case. Jane Roe was actually Norma McCorvey. She was a Texan in her early 20s who wanted to terminate an unwanted pregnancy in 1969. Abortion was legal in Texas at the time, but only for the purpose of saving a woman's life. That was not the issue for McCorvey. Her life was not at risk. She tried unsuccessfully to get an illegal abortion and was referred to two attorneys interested in challenging anti-abortion laws. The Wade in Roe v. Wade was Henry Wade, the district attorney of Dallas County, who enforced that Texas abortion law. McCorvey soon filed a case against him. The Supreme Court agreed in 1971 to hear the case, and on January 22, 1973, struck down the Texas law in a 7-2 decision. Justice Harry Blackman wrote for the majority opinion and declared a woman's right to privacy under the 14th Amendment superseded a state's right to ban abortion. The court set different rules for each trimester. In the first trimester, the choice to end pregnancy was entirely up to the mother. In the second trimester, the government could regulate but not ban abortion in order to protect the mother's health. In the third trimester, the state could prohibit abortion to protect a fetus that could survive outside the womb except when the mother's health is in danger. Justices Byron White and William Rehnquist dissented. They basically held the argument of privacy went far beyond the intentions of the constitutional framers, an argument that could signal the grounds for challenges to Roe. The two justices also stated the court's decision did not stick to the specific facts of this case because Roe 
was not in her first trimester at the time of the litigation, public opinion was quickly shifting. In August 1972, Americans opposed legalized abortion, 46 to 42 percent. But by April 1973, it was 52 to 41 in favor. In the years since, Roe's been modified but not overturned. A notable example was in 1992, a case called Planned Parenthood versus Casey. For all intents and purposes, this is the new standard by which abortion cases are judged. The focus this time wasn't privacy, it was roadblocks, which had been intentionally set up to make it harder to get an abortion. In a 5-4 ruling, the court said restrictions are unconstitutional if they place an undue burden on a woman. Support for Roe v. Wade remains strong. A Kaiser Family Foundation poll in June 2018 found that 67% of Americans do not want the Supreme Court to overturn the ruling, while 29% do. The question now, of course, is what the Supreme Court will do with a solid conservative majority. So with all the support the public opinion support for Roe v. Wade being so high over the years. Within the last year or so, that support for Roe v. Wade has come down a little bit, and it's a little bit more balanced now. A lot more people are open to overturning Roe v. Wade. But from that piece, we've learned a couple things. We learned that it had nothing to do really with abortion, had everything to do with the right to privacy under the 14th Amendment. That's what they ruled upon, the seven to two ruling from the nine justices back in 1973. And it struck down a Texas law that was trying to stop, you know, abortions from going forth. Now, more modern times and today's times, it has to do with the unconstitutional restriction of abortions. So now we've got a case going through the judicial system that's ended up on the Supreme court out of Mississippi And so depending upon the outcome of that case, it could overturn Roe v. Wade. And again, if you want more information about the case, I don't want to get into the legalese of the whole thing because that's not what this is about. But you can go go look it up and do your own research about the case and stuff. But, But that's where we're at right now. You've got a Supreme Court that is now supposedly six to three in favor of a conservative mindset, according to experts, although... That really hasn't been the case. It's more like been 5-4 with Chief Justice Roberts kind of siding with the liberals on a lot of things. And so that's where we stand today. So is it time to overturn Roe v. Wade, knowing that the right to privacy, the 14th Amendment, was the original foundation to this? And also uh, Jane Roe, in recent years, I think she's passed away now, in recent years, though, came out in favor of pro-life, you know, overturning Roe v. Wade. So not that that means anything to the judicial aspect of it, but public opinion, right? Okay, so we have abortion. We have the termination of a pregnancy. Many people out there have, I guess, many different reasons as to why they want to terminate a pregnancy. So what are some of the cause, uh, common reasons to having this procedure? Now, I've done research on this uh, topic many times, actually covered this type of topic a couple times on the podcast. And so the research that I have when it comes to common reasons is pretty in-depth. But instead of me explaining it, I've got this piece here from a uh, medical professional, okay, that's going to tell you what are some of the more common reasons 
for an abortion. What are the common reasons for choosing an abortion? Did you know, according to the National Center on Health Statistics, that almost half of pregnancies in the U.S. are unplanned, and many will get pregnant while using birth control. For every 100 women who rely on the pill for one year, nine will get pregnant. And for every 100 women who rely on condoms for one year, nearly 20 will get pregnant. You're not alone. Given the data, there are many women right now in the very same situation as you, and they're asking themselves. Today, we're gonna ask an important question. Why do women choose abortion? Welcome to Her Smart Choice. What if you're looking at a home pregnancy test that reads positive? You're likely wondering, what do I do now? Especially if it's an unplanned pregnancy. Maybe you're not ready at the present situation or don't want any more children. Most women who consider abortion say it's more than one factor that contributes to their decision. I want to address some other common reasons for choosing an abortion. You can't be pregnant right now, as it's not a good time to be pregnant or parent a child, as it'll interfere with school, career, family, or your other responsibilities. You are not able to afford to raise a child. Your current situation makes it hard to be pregnant or a parent a child. You have problems in the relationship with your partner or you don't have a partner and don't want to parent a child on your own. You learn the fetus has a problem or there are birth defects. You have health problems that make pregnancy difficult or risky. The pregnancy is the result of a sexual assault. A healthcare provider can discuss your options and help you make an informed decision. Okay, so those are the most common reasons why somebody does the procedure. And that pretty much sums up the, the research that I've done over, over the years. So one of them is it's not a good time. It interferes with school, work, or life. Well, that's, that's a fact. That definitely is a fact. If a kid comes into your life, it's definitely going to upset the apple cart or it's going to be a joy blessing. Either way, it's going to have a huge impact on your life. There's no doubt about that. Okay, so is that a good reason? How about the cost? Okay, if you ask anybody who's had a kid or two or three or whatever, if you ask them, are you ever able to afford it? Nobody financially can plan for it. If you know of somebody that does, that's great. They did a great job. But even people that are planning on having kids, the cost is always beyond what you can plan for. There's always that, that tangible thing that comes up that makes kids costly. It's not a good time. Well, unless you're one of those people that are maybe in a committed relationship and want to have a kid, yeah, it's not a good time. Those first three things are really things that you can't change, and they're really things that don't have anything to do with anything, to be honest, okay? They're just an excuse not to have it. Now, problems with a partner or no partner at all, that could be problematic. You don't want to be a single parent, 
it's hard to be a single parent and, and raise kids and do that on your own, or there's no partner at all. Well, if there's no partner at all, um, maybe you are a little irresponsible in the adult entertainment that you conducted yourself and ended up in this situation. So maybe a little personal responsibility might need to come into play, and that's going to be kind of a common theme as we go through this. Birth defects, that's a hard one. If, you're, if you know your child is going to have some sort of birth defect, is that a reason to consider it? I can understand why people would want to. Mom's health problems, this is probably the biggest one that most people would say, yes, you choose the mother or do you choose the child? As I sit here, if I had to make that choice, there's a, a good chance I would choose the mom probably means it's someone I'm in a relationship with, a partner. I'd probably choose the partner over the child. It'd be a tough decision to make, and it'd be hard to uh, come to terms with that, that you had to pick one over the other. But, you know, we talked about it last time, the value of life. Would you choose your pet over a stranger if you can only save one? We talked about that in episode 110. And so here, we're not talking about a pet. We're talking about Two human lives. Which one do you choose? And then sexual assault, which again is another one that's completely viable, and I understand that. However, doing further research, some of these, like the health of the mom and sexual assault, there's very little statistical information. Not dismissing it, but when you talk about statistics, a majority of the people that say they want to terminate a pregnancy, it's because it's going to interfere with school or work or just life in general. They can't afford it. It's not a good time. Those are kind of the three big ones statistically. And again, do your own research and look it up. And again, look it up through research, data, not through the headlines. Do your research, do the data, surveys, research projects, things like that, and you'll see. And if you can get independent resources like I've worked on, or consulted, that would be best. Problems with a partner is the, uh, the next one that a lot of people have. And then the birth effects, the health problems, and the uh, sexual assault tend to be lower percentages. Okay, I can understand valid reasons that people would think for terminating a pregnancy, but are these really reasons essential for it? Well, let's go on. Now, if you're engaged in uh, adult physical activity, chances are, you're going to end up with a pregnancy. 50%, the clip said, 50% of all pregnancies, first of all, are unplanned. Not expecting it. If you are on the, uh, the pill, as they say, out of 100 people, nine of you, almost 10% are going to get pregnant within the year. And if you rely on condoms only, out of 100, 20% of you are going to end up pregnant. So again, just because you're on birth control doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So if you are engaged in adult physical activities, then you should probably have the expectation, no matter what your practices are, there's a good chance you're going to end up with an unplanned pregnancy. So that's the, the first step that we need to take when we talk about this whole issue is personal responsibility. Okay, what are we doing to take responsibility with our activities? A lot of us will, like the lady said, be on the pill, condoms. Okay, so that seems like a, a way to uh, be safe, but 
it's not 100% reliable. So we got to keep that in mind, our personal responsibility, okay? And so as we go through this, it's, it's just kind of fascinating to think that maybe out of these examples, maybe a couple might really have some validity to it. I mean, I can't understand what it would be like to be a, a victim of rape, for example, and then you end up with a child. I can understand that people wouldn't want that relationship or have that in them. I get that. Obviously, the mother, if, if you're the, the dad, let's say, the father, obviously, and you're in a committed relationship, a partner, and you know you have to choose between your spouse and the child, and you have a longer relationship with the spouse, and you want to have that commitment and that relationship for years to come, yeah, I can see where you would choose the mother. And I think that's an area why abortion and the issue, one size doesn't fit all. Because if you just outright ban the whole thing, then what's going to happen to the health of the mother, the health of that baby? What happens to that family? Sexual assault is another interesting thing because, again, we're dealing with a a series of crime that tends to go unlooked. What do I mean by that? Okay. So there seems to be a big push in society today to get young people, 12, 13, 14, 15, to have abortions without parental consent. That's a big thing. Getting abortion without parental consent, getting books on the, or laws on the books that say a kid can have an abortion without a parental consent. And that's a big push, big push. But wait a minute. Sexual assault, what about the statutory rape? Nobody seems to care about the statutory rape that happened to that girl. There is no state in the United States where consent, legal consent, is allowed at 15 years or younger. There's some states where it's 16. There's some countries where it's technically 13, but they've amended some laws to make it at least 16. So nowhere is a 15-year-old able to give consent for sexual activity, and yet she ends up pregnant. Where's the statutory rape investigation? Where's that criminal investigation based on the sexual assault? So if you want someone under a sexual assault category to be able to have an abortion, well, shouldn't the perpetrator, the assailant, shouldn't that person be arrested? Shouldn't there be an investigation into the crime? And that's where you start to get into now there's more than one answer to the solution because you can't have it just this way. You can't just focus on getting rid of the child, the abortion, without going after the person that commits the crime, the statutory rape. Or let's take it as an adult, okay? An adult gets raped. Are we going after the person that did it? Or are we just focusing on the abortion side of it? In order to have these conversations, you have to look at the entire picture. You have to look at the complete picture to really fully understand birth defects. I guess it's getting easier to determine birth defects because of advancements in medicine and technology and things like that. That would be tough. What if your child was Down syndrome, maybe missing an arm or leg or going to be deformed altogether? Not the perfect child, not the 10 toes, 10 fingers. What do we do? Other issues, 
There's a lot of people right now, a lot of students, I should say, young students that I've been working with recently, and they've got uh, a lot of, you could say, medical issues, okay? They're not out there running around on the school playground, okay? Uh, They're not deemed normal by society standards, but then again, what is normal? But you know what? These are kids that, I don't know, I was thinking about this today. I don't know what life would be like if I hadn't been a part of their lives for this past little bit of time. I mean, it's been a lot of fun to engage. And I'm sure there's people out there that would look at these kids and think, man, they should have been aborted. They're in a wheelchair. They've got all kinds of uh, cognitive issues. Can't speak. But yet the joy they bring into people's lives and the love that's showered upon them by people in their walk of life, it's amazing. And yet some people would look at them and say, we should get rid of them because of their defects. And so I look at three, four, five kids that I've been a part of for the last little bit, and I think, wow, my life would have been completely different if they were all gone. It's amazing. And it's amazing to see, despite their deficiencies, just how smart they really are, just how they really maneuver their life, just what they're able to accomplish and do. And when you see them make those growth changes, getting smarter, learning life's lessons, learning how to do things, you get excited about it. You feel good about it. But what if they weren't here? What would life be like? So we took a look at these common reasons, and we have to think, are they good enough? Are they reasonable? Is that something that we should still consider doing? But again, personal responsibility, 50% of pregnancy is unplanned. And if you're on birth control, there's a 10 to 20% chance that you're going to end up with an unplanned pregnancy. So when you take a look at the word abortion, termination of a pregnancy, what, what word association is there with it? I've got a clip I want to play. And the question was posed to women. If you can respond with one word to the word abortion, what would it be? Now, some of them expanded a little bit, but one word responses when you hear the term abortion. Killing. Because um, they're basically killing the baby, even though it's still in the mom. Horrible. If you're given the gift of a baby, then you should treasure that gift. A choice. Necessary. Wrong. I guess I've always just been pro-life. I feel like when people think of pro-choice, they just think of the mom and the person. People just don't think about the life that's inside of you or the person that doesn't have a voice. Choice. And it's a controversial choice, but ultimately everybody has their own reasons. A right. Choice. Oh, scary. Choice. It's a choice but that needs to be handled very carefully and not lightly. Okay. I think everyone should have the right. Touchy topic. Hurtful. 
It's not hurtful if they know and accept the possibility of not having a kid, but it's definitely hurtful if they want it and they can't have it. But there's no way to support the baby. Mm, controversial. To each its own. Pain. No matter what choice a woman makes, it's a painful decision. Her choice. At one week or 20 weeks, it's up to her. A hard decision, life-changing. None of your business? Against it, I was asked to have an abortion. And I didn't, and I'm, I'm really happy about it. She's my mother, and she's, she's the reason why I wake up every day. Choice. Pro-choice. A woman's right right, necessary. Death, you're killing a baby. Choice. Ugh, confusing. Because I think if you need to have one, you're confused if you should have one or if you shouldn't have one, and people are telling you you shouldn't have one. To each its own. Choice. Originally, I didn't. I was against abortion, but as I grew older, a woman has the choice to choose. Killing, depending on the situation, it could be okay. I think the last one's the hardest to swallow. It's killing, but depending upon the situation, it's okay. I'm not really sure what situation would make it okay, unless she's referring to Maybe some of the common reasons, like maybe the health of the mother. But that's kind of a rough way to put it. But again, killing was mentioned a couple times. Horrible. Right. It's a right. Not really sure where the right came from, because if you know the history, it's a right to privacy, and that's where it stemmed from. And then from the right to privacy, it's a, a uh, unconstitutional blocking to being able to get one. But all of a sudden, now it's a, it's a right. Choice. That's a, yeah, that's a choice. Necessary, is it? Wrong. Scary, of course, it's scary. Okay. Hurtful, definitely hurtful. Controversial, absolutely. Pain, of course, pain's involved in that. It's a hard decision. Of course it is. None of your business. Pretty cold and callous. Death. Because if it's none of your business, why then is the person who's talking about it expressing an opinion about it? Death. Well, absolutely, death's involved. Confusing. Definitely is confusing to a lot of people. Against it. 40%, 45%, I think, according to one of the statistics mentioned in an earlier clip, against it. To each its own. Again, a pretty uh, flippant and cavalier comment to make about something. And then killing, but okay, depending on the situation. So those were some of the comments that were made by women when posed with the question in one word-ish. Some of them couldn't keep it to one word, but that's okay. In one word, how would you describe it? And basically a right and a choice is the, the more popular answers to something like that. The other thing that makes this topic pretty controversial and hard to deal with and to talk about, and something that I think misses the boat in the conversation, nobody brings it up, is this. Do men have a voice 
in the abortion. You hear about, oh, if you don't have a uterus, you don't have an opinion. Uh, only women can make the decision on this. Uh, it's a woman's choice. It's a woman's right. It's women, women, women. It's only the mom, only the mom. And dads don't have a choice. Dads don't have a right. Uh, men don't have a say in it because you don't know what it's to be like. Really? I've, I've had these thoughts about this for a while, and then I found a couple of things that I'm glad I found that I can use to back up what it is that I want to talk about because I think this is the biggest thing. Guys, it comes down to you. You're the biggest reason why women go and get an abortion. It's the father. And then two, women, if you don't think men should have a voice in the matter, then yeah, it is time to overturn Roe v. Wade, give it to the Supreme Court, where before there were nine men that made the decision, and now you have three, and possibly a fourth, depending on if it's this year or next year, because with the retirement of a Supreme Court justice in June, the current president decided that he was going to nominate a black woman. So there could be four women on the court. So yeah, if that's your stance, then it's definitely time to let women have a choice. And it's definitely time to get Roe v. Wade in front of the Supreme Court where at least four women and five men then could potentially have a conversation about it and have a decision. Because we don't want to rely on the nine men back in 1973 that voted for it. So yes, men absolutely have a say in the abortion issue. And there's more to it. And this is, in a nutshell, what I found. I found this clip uh, searching the internet, and I thought it pretty much summed up a lot of good points when it comes to whether or not men should have a say when it comes to the abortion issue. Guys, you have a right to have an opinion on abortion, okay? I might be the first person telling you this. Hopefully, I will not be the last. You have a right to have an opinion on abortion, okay? Women do not get pregnant on their own, okay? I don't know who thinks that that happens, but it doesn't. Women do not get pregnant on their own. It requires a man in order for a woman to become pregnant. You have a say on abortion. This is the problem. Feminists don't want guys to have a say on the matter because many men are pro-life. Many men are in favor of the woman keeping their child. And when I said their child, I meant their child. Again, women do not become pregnant on their own. The man is required in order for the woman to get pregnant. Okay. Feminists have no problem whatsoever when men have opinions on abortion. Let me explain why. When Roe v. Wade became a reality, the Supreme Court was only men. It was only filled with men. There were no women on the Supreme Court when Roe v. Wade was being enacted. Men had an opinion on abortion at that point in time. And they voted in favor of what the supporters and the representatives for Jane Roe wanted. Okay, but they had an opinion on the matter. Feminists are perfectly fine when men have an opinion on abortion if it's in favor of abortion. Guess what? A lot of the gynecologists that perform abortions are men. These men have opinions on abortion. They're performing them. You know who us, who other, what other men have opinions on abortion? The boyfriends that pressure their girlfriends into having them. The boyfriends that pressure their girlfriends into having abortions have opinions on abortion. They're in favor of abortion, and they're probably one of the abortionist's best customers. Um, the people that lobby senators to keep abortion laws in place, those people that sleep around and have 400 mistresses, those people are typically men, and they are men that have opinions on abortion. They want abortion to continue because it's an easy out for them. If they get someone pregnant, they can take care of the problem. Men having opinions on abortion pay senators lots and lots of money to keep abortion as the law of the land. 
And the talk is that the reason why all these Supreme Court justices voted Roe into law is because they also had that problem. They needed a way to get rid of said pregnancy if in the event it happened. Can't let the wife find out. Well, if abortion is legal, men get an out. Men have a huge say when it comes to abortion. But the pro-life men are asked to stay quiet. That's a problem. There's a lot to that. So you've got uh, the fact that, first of all, women can't get pregnant on your own, despite arguments to the contrary. And men already do have a voice. So it was mentioned that uh, only pro-choice men can't have a say. Because you've got, like I mentioned earlier, the nine Supreme Court justices that were all in favor of it, or it's seven to two, but they were all nine men that voted on it. People that perform the abortions, men. Obviously, there's women out there that do it too, but a lot of men do it. Uh, Boyfriends and husbands pressure women to have an abortion. More on that in a moment. Male lobbyists are out there making money off of it. My favorite, men want abortion legal so they can get out of jail free, get their get out of jail free card because you can't let the wife find out about it. Men want an out. And I think that's so true. Okay. I think that's one of the biggest things is that if abortion is legal, men don't have to deal with the responsibility of their actions. Men don't have to sit there and become fathers. And that's, I think, a big deal. I think you've got a lot of people, all walks of life, that want abortion legal because it's an easy out to a problem. It solves a problem. And it's a way for them to get out of trouble. So again, personal responsibility. If you're not out there screwing around and doing other things, then we're not in this situation where men are pushing their girlfriends, maybe wives, into having an abortion. I'd imagine it's the wives because there's too many kids and the girlfriends for who knows number of reasons. But men, if you're out there not pushing it, maybe it's not a big a problem. And women, think about this for a minute. Food for thought. You thought this was a woman's right issue. You thought this was a woman's reproductive issue. What if you guys have been being played all along? We make it your issue. So you rise to the cause, you march on Washington, you do all this stuff, but in reality, men want it so they can fool around with you and then deal with it and they've got their out. I mean, think about that. Has anyone ever thought of that perspective? Women, have you ever thought of that perspective? That maybe it's not about you after all. Maybe it's about these powerful men that are screwing around, want their out their get out of jail free cards like keep it legal hmm something to ponder all these years it was women's rights remember those uh, one word answers it's a right it's a choice it's a right it's a choice pro-choice women's rights if you don't have a uterus you don't have a say my body my choice maybe you've been fooled all these years Maybe you've been fooled out of guys taking care of you and taking responsibility for what they've done. Because I can almost guarantee you, not always, but women, and, and, and guys should listen up to you because women do do this to you, but women, guys will pretty much say and do anything to get you into bed. 
Meatloaf, rock and roll singer, legend, recently passed away. Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Don't know it? Look it up. Talks about it. Young boy, young girl, out by the lake. Guy gets a little frisky, wants to get it on. Finally, the girl turns to him and says, not, are you going to put a ring on it? Are you going to love me forever? Finally, the guy gives in, yes, I will. I'll marry you. So they get it on. Then as the song goes, they end up getting married, and then they end up hating each other, and they can't wait till the end of time to, to come so they can move on from each other. But that's pretty much what it is. Hey, will you marry me? Yes, let's do it. Let's get it on. Oh, you're pregnant? Well, let's take care of it. And guys are pushing that. And that's why, guys, it's a personal responsibility of yours to be responsible and to say, you know what? First off, I'm going to act responsibly so that way we don't get in this situation. Second of all, if it happens, I'm not going to be the one that pushes it. So you don't believe me? A recent study by ALL, and I forget what the acronym means, like the All Life Leagues or All Lives League, something like that. A new recent study of a, of a thousand men found that four in 10, 40% of the surveys, of the people surveyed, the men surveyed, 40% felt that they had the most influence on either a wife or a girlfriend getting an abortion. Now, this is a thousand men whose wife or girlfriend went through and had an abortion. 40% of them said they had the most influence. 18% of these men, 18% said a medical provider had the most influence. 14% said the, the girl's mom, the woman's mom. Okay. So that's a more recent survey and you can look up ALL survey and it should pop up. But 40%, 40% of men said they had the most influence. Interesting. Rough math, you add up the 40, the 18, and the 14% is about 72%. So 28% might have some other factors. Okay. Now, in 2015, a study of women who had an abortion, this was done by a group called CareNet, showed that the most influential factor in them getting an abortion was the man in their life. Two surveys. Men, the most influential person in their life, pushing for it. So is it a woman's right? Is it a woman's choice? Women, when you say choice, let's just focus on choice for me. It's your choice. Is it really? Is it your choice or are you getting pressured by somebody? 40% of men said in a survey they were the most influential. In 2015, a study of women who had it said that the man was the most influential factor in getting the abortion. So is it really, women, your choice? Or are you being influenced by the man in your life, the father of the child? See, when we look at it, we look at it through all these different lenses and you start to see that this is a complex situation with a lot of issues and a one-size-fits-all answer isn't going to crack it, isn't going to make it. I mean, you've got the suggestion that men use abortion and want it to get out of jail free. Oops, you got pregnant, oh, we'll take care of it, we'll take care of it. And the man's pushing for it and so the woman does it to please the man and then usually the man hikes out of there. Men, it's responsibility. Women, it's responsibility. 
If you don't want to be used like that and put in that situation, don't. You know, there's a reason why that uh, age-old debate, having sex, wait until you get married. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why that's there. Think of all the issues that would go away if that happened. Let's just play that game for a minute. If everybody waited until they got married, and I know you're sitting there probably laughing, snickering, like, what is this? The 1930s, 1950s, leave it to Beaver. But think about it. Unwanted pregnancies would go away. Well, maybe not unwanted pregnancies, but, you know, these men pushing their girlfriends to get out of jail free, so to speak. Those would go away. Then you would have a lot of diseases would go away. A lot of broken relationships, broken hearts, stuff like that from dating would go away. There's a lot of issues that would be cleared up by that. Now, I know that's not going to happen because in society, we're just not that way anymore. But think about it if that was. Think about it if just you. Think about you. If you waited until you were really with somebody that was truly committed, not just this passing fancy on a frat party or on a Saturday night because you've been drinking too much and the mood hits or whatever the case may be. What if you took some, some serious thought and approach to how you engage in your adult physical activity life? As your sex life, but younger people listen, so we try to keep it as neutral as possible. But think about it. Life might change. Things might be different. Guys, if you took the responsibility and realized, you know what? I am not in a relationship. I am not in a situation where I want to be a dad. I am not whatever the case may be. So you don't go there. Because unless we take personal responsibility, it's an easy out. Because it's right here. The numbers are right there. Do the research yourself. Men become the most influential person in the decision that a woman makes to have an abortion. So what can be done? Well, happened to come across a, an organization, for example, it's called Save a Life in Alabama. When a woman calls up for either a, an ultrasound or a pregnancy test or something like that, they ask that the father comes and joins them. They have male advocates at this place so they can meet with the father, talk about pregnancy, talk about what's going on, talk about it, Okay. And I think that's the biggest thing right there. Because when you look back at the reasons, it's going to interfere with school life, work life, life in general. Costs too much. It's not a good time. Problems with the partner. See, what happens is a young teen. What happens is right away, an unwanted pregnancy becomes a problem. 50% of pregnancies are unplanned. If you're on birth control, 10 to 20% chance you're going to get pregnant. It's going to happen. What's the immediate thing? Here's a problem. What's the solution? Planned Parenthood and those abortion providers come in and be like, I've got the solution. Termination. Done. Move on. Problem solved. Uh-oh. Got to go pregnant. Can't let the wife find out. Get it done. Problem solved. But what if we take a different approach? This has been going on since 1973. We can't rest on the government to take care of it because this has been going on since 1973. What is that, like almost 50 years? And we still have this thing unresolved. But what if we had other entities, other institutions? I mean, think of the church, maybe religious 
type people, but we can't go there because they become judgmental. So you run into the arms of Planned Parenthood, other places like that. But what if we had organizations set up where you can be supportive? You're in school, that's okay. We've got low, low cost daycare. We've got people that will come alongside you, help you, help you study, help you care for the baby. We've got people that are retirees that want to watch kids for free. Whatever. There's ideas that can be out there, and it's going to be difficult to make those decisions and to come up with these things because, yes, it does cost money. But if pro-life people are for this, then you need to make that commitment to step in and be the replacement for Planned Parenthood, that easy out. What can you do to come alongside these people that are in these situations, unplanned pregnancies, and help them? And that might, if you're like a Save a Life or any other entity that's out there, don't want to alienate anybody that's out there that's uh, doing stuff like that, but maybe we need to get that out there more so that people know that if there is an issue, I don't all of them automatically have to go to here. There's all these other opportunities. I want to play a quick story about um, a woman, Melissa Odin, who was a, an abortion survivor. And this is what her comments are. Hi, I'm Melissa Odin, and I'm the survivor of a failed saline infusion abortion. In August of 1977, my biological mother, as a 19-year-old college student, actually had a saline infusion abortion forced upon her against her will by her own mother, my maternal grandmother. As a prominent nurse in their community, she was able to force that abortion, bypassing hospital regulations and procedures, uh, with the help of her friend and colleague, the local abortionist. That type of procedure involved injecting a toxic salt solution into the amniotic fluid surrounding me in the womb. The intent of that toxic salt solution was to poison and scald me to death from the outside in. So I literally soaked in this toxic salt solution over a five-day period, which was actually longer than what was meant to by the standards of that procedure. On that fifth day, her labor was induced and I was meant to be delivered as a successful abortion otherwise known as a deceased child, but I was accidentally born alive. So I'm adopted and grew up knowing I was adopted and knew that I was deeply loved. Didn't know, of course, that I had survived that failed abortion until I was 14 years old. It was a really devastating um, experience to find out that news about my life. Struggled in the midst of that for a long time, but ultimately went looking for my biological mother and father and for answers about my life. I discovered who they were in 2007. I also obtained my medical records that actually document the abortion that I survived. Um, but even after I found out who my birth mother was, we didn't start communicating actually until 2013. And that's when I learned that she actually spent over 30 years of her life believing that I had died that day at the hospital. She did not know that I was born alive. She didn't know if it was a little boy or a little girl. And even though this has been a really long journey for her in terms of her own healing, she is now a huge part of my life. We actually live in the same community. I live in Kansas City. My birth mother lives in Kansas City. We didn't know that when we moved there six years ago. And so when I say she's one of the greatest supports in my life, she absolutely is that. The first interaction with my birth mother is one of those things that's almost indescribable, right? Even for somebody like me who speaks on the topic a lot. Um, it's just something that was so 
so sacred, right? Where you know that God ordains that particular moment and you're just blessed to be a part of it. And so, you know, I can tell you exactly where I was when I got the text that that she had arrived and my my half sister was there. We actually met at a zoo. It's we want our lives to be as normal as they can, right? Um, I don't know if that makes sense to people, but um, we met at a zoo and I can tell you where I was when I got the text, how I started looking in the distance, knowing that she was nearby and to walk those you know, hundred steps to get her felt like they were gonna take forever. But you know, my, my half sister was holding her hand that day and when I walked up, she let go of it and placed my birth mother's hand in mine and it was so symbolic, right? Um, that she was able to bring us together that day. And for, you know, our family who's been ripped apart by abortion, um, God has restored and redeemed so many broken pieces. And, and I want that for every family. Could you imagine if you were the mother and you thought for 30 years your child was dead and then you find out she's not? I was listening to several of these kind of stories. And there was another lady that talked about surviving an abortion and she gets satisfaction knowing that the abortionist had to sign the birth certificate, but that's a, a survivor. But you think about, and you think about the other way, you know, people talk about the, the, the baby in the womb. It's not life. It is life. It's not life. There's a big debate. Is it life or isn't? But when you put it in perspective of it's an unwanted child, think about that. 3000, abortions a day since Roe v. Wade, 63 million abortions since Roe v. Wade. That's a lot of unwanted children. You know, I see a lot of videos on social media about people going to the animal rescue, getting a dog, you know, rescuing an animal, and the tears that they cry over these unwanted dogs that then become rescued. Do you value your pet more than you do a stranger? Do you, do you value animal life? You're drawn to tears over the dogs in the cages at the, the shelter, but no tears at the abortion clinic, no tears in front of Planned Parenthood. You know, we see those late night television infomercial things about the dogs. I think it's Sarah McLaughlin comes on and begs for money, pleads, and the dogs are all depressed looking and plays our heartstrings and we give money. Do you value your pet, your animal, over human life? Who would you save? Would you save the dog in the rescue, in the rescue shelter? Would you rescue a dog or rescue a baby? What would you do? Think about that. Are you going to rescue and put value on a dog over the value of a human? Sure, the dog's easier to take care of, won't be around long enough or a lifetime can leave them at home a little bit easier and we feel good about it because we've rescued a dog. But we don't think twice about Planned Parenthood, do we? 3,000 unwanted kids a day in the U.S. I think two truths should be spoken here. If you are pro-choice, I think you'd have more validity to any argument if you accepted two things, if you just admitted two things. One, it's a baby, it's a person, it's a life. This whole idea, this whole argument, is it life or isn't life in the womb? We get excited about some microscopic something or other on Mars and we call it life. So yeah, baby in the womb is life. Just admit it. Call it life and you'd have more credibility. Second, Planned Parenthood is about money. 
It's a profit-making thing. They get $618 million in state, federal, and local aid. They've made $425 million over the last three years, according to research and information that I found. Their then-president from fiscal year 19, or 2019 to 2020 made one point, almost $1.3 million. A senior advisor made almost $1.2 million, and then several others made over five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000. So, yeah, it's a big business. So, of course, people are going to say all kinds of things or whatever they have to because it's big business. There's a lot of money in it. And if it gets overturned and that goes away, there's a lot of people that are going to lose a lot of money. Lobbyists, people in Planned Parenthood, apparently the CEOs of a local franchise or Planned Parenthood clinic, almost 200000 Plus, then we've seen all kinds of shenanigans with uh, money being made off of body parts and post-abortion stuff. So, yeah, it is, it is big business. So if you admit those two things and you're pro-choice, you'd have more credibility. But denying those two things, in my opinion, make you very less credible. Now, what about people, famous people? What if their mothers did decide to have an abortion? Here's some famous people that survived. Maybe their parents thought about it and ended up not doing it or maybe went to the clinic, whatever the case may be. But according to the research, these are famous people whose mothers at one time considered abortion. Steve Jobs, the mother thought about an abortion, but instead decided to go the route of adoption. Could you imagine life without Steve Jobs? Would we have Apple? Would we have iPhones? Would we have Apple TV? What, what would life be like today if Steve Jobs was not here? What about Oprah Winfrey? Mother was thinking about it. What about Jesse Jackson? Whether you like him or not, agree with him or not, he was the, uh, the product of statutory rape. And his mother decided to keep him. So again, you go back to the argument above, sexual assault, one of, the, one of the common reasons. What if Jesse Jackson never came around? What would civil rights be like today? What would social justice be like today? It's not very good, but he marched with Martin Luther King. What, what would happen? I mean, think about that. Another controversial guy, Tim Tebow, like him or not, his mother thought about it. Now, he does a lot of good work. Not only was his uh, athletic ability on display throughout his careers, whether it be football or baseball, but he does a lot of stuff, a lot of charity work. In fact, I think he might have started kneeling before Colin Kaepernick just for different reasons, different controversies. What about Justin Bieber? Celine Dion? There's many others. But when I look at Steve Jobs... And his mother gave him up for adoption. And Jesse Jackson, the victim of statutory rape. Look at these two people and what they've done. And then go back and look at the common reasons. What if you don't abort your child? What do you think your child might become? We'll never know if that happens. But here's a lot of people with a lot of influence that have done a lot of good and some not so good. But what would life be like if they weren't here? So as we move forward, should Roe v. Wade be overturned? My guess is it probably won't. There may be some tweaks, but I think uh, the liberal justices and Chief Justice Roberts and maybe Gorsuch or um, one of the other guys uh, might vote in favor of keeping it. I think uh, Justice Alito and Clarence Thomas and Amy Comey Barrett would probably vote for it. And so, you know, we'll see. 
But if I was to guess, I'd guess it's probably going to be a 5-4 decision in favor of keeping Roe v. Wade. And a lot of conservatives and a lot of religious people are going to be disappointed by that. But we'll see. We'll see if it even does. Maybe there'll be some tweaks to it. Who knows? But it's a conversation we need to have. Should it be overturned? If we have personal responsibility, if we look at things through a different lens, if guys, you take the lead, you're the most influential reason why a woman has an abortion, according to these surveys, these studies. If you take personal responsibility, if couples, you're not ready for a kid, maybe you've got to alter some activities that you do. You know, maybe we need to have that personal responsibility so we're not put in those situations, so those decisions don't have to be made. So those decisions of it's a choice, it's hurtful, it's painful, it's wrong, it's scary, it's okay, it's controversial, none of your business, death, confusing, against it, killing, but okay in certain situations. Maybe that all goes away. But we have to have the conversation and we have to be able to talk about it. I remember somebody telling me through a social media exchange, they were uh, saying that it was better for a baby to be aborted than to be born into poverty. Really? Is, is that okay? What if it's another Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey, or any number of people that we don't even know about that maybe is like a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher that has had impact on many lives? Maybe it was one of them. We don't know. See, that's the problem. The problem is, is that we like to take control, but we don't know. And the what if, we'll never find out. And so when something happens, an unplanned pregnancy happens, Planned Parenthood and abortion is the easy out. And guys, you got to stop it. You got to stop looking for the easy out and take the responsibility and don't engage in the first place. Women, you think it's about you, but is it really? Are guys taking advantage of the situation? And it's still legal because guys want it because it's their easy out. Can't let the wife find out. It's food for thought. You can take it with you. This is Two Steps Ed Podcast. Two Steps Ed Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. You can find me on Instagram at EdomRocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. The show page is at TWO, Two Steps Ed Podcast. There's a link in the bio on both pages where you can click the link and it brings up options to our YouTube page, to our SoundCloud page, uh, Spotify, and some other places, and also RadioWarp.com. So if you go to RadioWarp.com, Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com, that's the best place to find out all things uh, Two Steps Ed Podcast. It'll take you everywhere. It's one-stop shopping. There's a swag shop. We can buy merchandise. There's a uh, listen live button. We can listen to the show certain times, uh, uh, certain times during the day, during the week, and that's on the RadioWarp.com page. So RadioWarp.com, Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com, the best place to go. Hey, thanks for being with us. Thanks for uh, listening, engaging, having an open mind, an open heart, an open spirit. And uh, maybe if we work at it from a grassroots community neighborhood level, maybe we won't have to rely on the government and laws because maybe we can come together and work on this together and affect change. So thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Two Steps Ed podcast, again, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Until next time, God bless.